Hello, friends. Welcome to Josiah Venture Stories. Gwen Gardner here, and today's episode features one of the seven talks from our annual spring conference that happened back in May. I am so excited to share this teaching content with you. The theme of this year's conference was Missional Beatitudes. After three years of COVID and an ongoing war in Ukraine, you may feel a bit like a passenger on a plane that has flown through some turbulent air or a sailor on a ship that has sailed through a challenging storm. After all the shaking and rocking, you may need to pause and make sure all the ropes are tied down and that your key instruments still work. During the week of conference, we had space to focus back on the core of who we are, and we invite you to join us in this process as well. We asked questions like, Who do we need to be to stay on mission in turbulent times? What key attitudes will keep us on track no matter how difficult the storm? The theme verse for this conference was 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Enjoy listening and I pray this teaching encourages you. Thank you for being on mission with us. All right, I hope you had a good break and some great coffee and donut. And that was an awesome session this morning. Can we just give Ben a hand? That Thank you for what he shared with us. Thank you, Ben. I'm actually, I was chewing on my mind all during the break. It's great when you hear something that you go, I'm going to chew on that for a while. And, uh, you know, insecurity sometimes surprises us. It's like what we said, and you're flying out, and you don't know when you're going to run into a storm. So sometimes I'm going along and go, oh, wow, I'm in the storm of insecurity. It got dark, and the wind started going. And just knowing what are those firm things that keep us aligned, that attitude indicator, what are the things that are actually under my control that I can focus my attention on so I make sure I don't fly into the ground and the music dies. So that's kind of the, the theme is what are those, what are those, uh, what are our reference points when the air gets turbulent? And then this next time we're going to talk about a different kind of turbulence that all of us as missionaries, uh, any kind of missionaries fly into. Uh, the fact is that we're serving in a multicultural environment. So even in this room, we got people from the UK, from Bulgaria, from uh, Czech, from all different places. And we're serving together, and actually this room maybe even has less of that than some of the places where you serve. So we serve in a very multicultural environment, and that's really challenging. It creates updrafts in one place and downdrafts in the other. We can fly into fog and we get lost. And so our question today is, how do you navigate the turbulence of a multicultural environment? And uh, this, our title is Be Greek-like. So look down in your, in your books on page 17. So let's read this together. For though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. So those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in his blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an unperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then that's in 1 Corinthians 9, and then in 1 Corinthians 10, just a little bit later on, he comes back to this same topic and says, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. So here's our question this morning. How do you skillfully cross cultures for the sake of the gospel, not just for the sake of ourselves, not just for the sake of the other culture, not just so that everyone is pleased around us, but so that there are no unnecessary barriers uh, for the gospel? Uh, When I first moved to the Czech Republic, I was just kind of enamored with Czech culture kind of infatuated. It would seem so amazingly cool to me. I mean, they have castles here. They, they actually have history here that's more than 200 years old. That's, ama- that's amazing. And I was impressed by the, the character of the people that had withstood under, under great pressure and turmoil. I loved uh, the art and the music uh, the, the culture that was there, I really appreciated the genuine relationships. I felt like that people actually thought about the question that I was going to ask and didn't pretend when, uh, when they told me how they were doing. This was just all just really wonderful for me. But then I started being surprised about all the things I was missing. For instance, I, I started observing really carefully and I realized that just simple things like greeting people were very different. I knew a couple ways to greet people from my culture. One of them is you wave like this. Or uh, another one is you shake hands. Sometimes that's a little little formal. Or with Christians, you hug a lot, right? So that's hugging. So, So these are, I understood these things, but as I started observing, I realized that people didn't do that. They didn't go like this when they came in the room very often. Hugging wasn't very much. They did shake hands. It felt a little bit different. But then I noticed that they had a couple that that I didn't know about. For instance, instead of waving, when you saw someone you knew, you kind of did this. (laughs) Like, so, okay, so I started practicing that. Hello. Uh, Another thing was, instead of hugging, they had this, they had and have, so this is have, uh, this really amazing thing of kissing both the cheeks. You know, which that was, that was cool. I watched that a couple of times and went, wow, I've never done that before. I know about, you know, with, with my wife, I know about the lip thing, but, <laughs> but this is the, the cheek thing. That's, wow, okay, so I wonder if I could practice that. And um, so I'm trying to observe all of this. And, and about two months into our time in check, the, the pastor sent someone from one of the, the Bible studies to my house to deliver some papers. And she came to the door. And, um, and open the door, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just caught. Okay, how do I greet her? I can't do this. You know, this doesn't seem very good. I mean, she's, I feel, that handshake, to me, feels very formal. It doesn't feel very warm. So, 
the hug, that's probably not right. So I just went for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I just leaned in and went for one cheek, and then I went for the other. Now, I wasn't very skilled at it. Because I haven't had much practice. And what I didn't understand is actually, though it looks like a kiss, it's not totally. <laughs> it's really supposed to be a, you know, a cheek on the cheek, and you just kind of pretend that you're kissing. Well, I went all... <laughs> I went all the way, man. Full lips on both cheeks. And then because I'm, I'm a good missionary and observing, I watch her face turn totally red. <laughs> her step back, and then I'm going, oh, I feel really awkward right now. She felt, she gave me the papers, and, you know, like, where did that? <laughs> and let me tell you, for years, I would see this lady in church and just turn red. I go, do we talk about this? Do we? Do... <laughs> I think I missed this one. I didn't get this one quite right. So I was, I was su- surprised that I'm working at it, but I'm not getting it all right. Or another thing is, you know, when, you, when you're with a group of people, you want, you want them to know that you're really there, that you're excited about being with them, right? So, so Jim, you're... So what I would do in my setting is I would say, I'm so excited to be with you here this evening. And so then I would just begin to speak, and i get up in front of the church or, or some speaking engagement, and I'd just begin by saying, I'm so excited to be with you here tonight. And I'm just translating the word directly. And, and so... <laughs> You're laughing, because you know where this is going. Someone came up and said, that word doesn't mean exactly the same thing that you think it means when you translate it. And I said... What does it mean? And they start describing, and then I realize I'm actually saying, I'm so aroused to be with you here tonight. <laughs> Don't want to say that. So I was, I was surprised, even though I'm, I'm working hard, I'm working hard at this, but I'm just making some, some big mistakes all along the way. And then, after a while of really working on this cross-culture things, I, I, I hit the irritated stage. Did you ever hit the irritated stage in cross-culture work where things start bugging me? Like, I go into a bathroom, and I go, why is that lady sitting there in the men's bathroom? There's something wrong with this. There's something wrong with this. And then I go further into the bathroom, and they go, who painted this bathroom? Because they painted the the frame to the door and half the wall at the same time, you know? And don't they know that the frame, it's, why is it so messy in here? And why does the bathroom with the lady who wants to take my money smell so much worse than any other bathroom? You know, this is wrong. And it just started irritating me. Some things that just, this is not right. This, why is everyone so pessimistic here? Why is everything broken? Uh, why is everyone so suspicious and mistrustful? And I'm just going like this. And actually, that irritation started leaking out. I remember one time I was speaking here up at Monavitsa, and I, I shared some things, some observations about Czech culture. And Milan Sturz came up to me afterwards. He says, David, just, I just got to be honest with you. That actually hurts when you talk about, because you're talking about me and my culture, and you sound like irritated. And, and actually, that was hurtful, what you shared. 
oh man, this is more challenging than I thought. I'm, I'm really working at this, but it, it seems like sometimes I'm, I'm not uh, getting it. And I'm giving you an illustration for an American going into a Czech culture, but that's not the only culture I'm crossing. We cross a number of different cultures because culture is more complicated than uh, just my nationality. So here's, here's one thing. I, you carry multiple cultures within you. So I, I carry the culture of I come from an American background, but I also carry the culture, an ethnic culture, because not every American is the same. A New York Italian is different than an L.A. Hispanic person who's different from a Philadelphia uh, black American. I, to say I'm American is not even. Even where I come from in America is, is different. So it's not just, there's ethnic backgrounds, even within nationality, the fact that there's a, a, a Polish heritage in Czech where you have Czech nationality, but a Polish ethnic background actually changes things. It's a little bit more complicated. Then there's this generational part. They say that I'm part of the boomer generation. I don't like that. I was born in, in the early 60s, uh, I, I go, that sounds really old, and I don't feel that old. But, it, but actually, I am a part of that generation, and it has impacted me. And then there's you know, Generation X and Millennials and Generation Z and Generation H. I don't know what generation is coming up. But, but you are a part of a generation, and you're working with another generation, and they're different. I always thought, why can't my generation be called the greatest generation like that? Because that's what it is, right? The greatest generation. One generation got that name, the greatest generation, and it wasn't mine. But, uh, but, that, but that, actually, that actually impacts me, my generational background. But here's another one, even my family background. You grew, I grew up in a different family, and there were things that were values in my family that were maybe different than values in your family. And there's even a church background. You, you, isn't it interesting that you can, like Lutherans in one country are similar to Lutherans in another, and Baptists have a certain culture in the Baptists that come from a Pentecostal church or an Episcopal church. So you carry all of those different cultures within you, and you're actually crossing those cultures. So if you come from a Baptist background and you go to train leaders in a Pentecostal church, you're crossing a, cultural, a church cultural background. If you are 35 and working with a 17-year-old, you're crossing a generational background. Uh, if you're from one part of the country, if you're from the Polish section of Czech and you go to Bohemia, you're actually crossing a, a cultural barrier. So this, this turbulence of culture is actually more complicated than just I'm American, you're Czech, or I'm, there, it, there's actually multiple updrafts and downdrafts to all of this. And culture includes things like this. It includes language. Uh, so we, we use different words like, does anyone know what the phrase off the hook means? My brother knows that, what that phrase means, but I still don't know what that phrase means. You know, sometimes there's phrases that we use that, um, that make a lot of sense to us and we don't realize actually somebody else might not know what that means. One of the things I learned from Czech from teenagers, and so sometimes I'd get up in church and preach and I'd go along and I'd notice people going, and they'd come up to me after and they'd say, no, don't use those words in church. <laughs> what words? And, I, and, and I'd say it and they'd say, no, don't even, don't even say those words in church. <laughs> well, all of the young people that I'm talking to use those words all the time. Yes, we know, but that doesn't mean that you should use those words in church. 
And so there, there are words that are just common that work in one place and don't work in another, and I had to clean up my check because I learned it from teenagers. There, there are norms of behavior. So when I taught in a Czech school and walked into the class and all the students stood up, I went, wow, what's going on here? I don't realize that, well, when I was young, we said the Pledge of Allegiance that was very normal for me, but would be very strange in this environment. But standing up to greet the teacher is expected. So there's all these norms that you have to learn that are really different than, uh, or even the norm of bringing a gift when you visit. Actually, you don't visit without bringing a gift, right? You don't visit without bringing a gift. I remember when, um, and actually this goes into another thing of this, these values, reciprocity in the culture that I serve is a big value. So I remember when, uh, actually, Jim, you might have been with me in this one, when I went, okay, it's Christmas. How can we get to know our neighbors? Let's go carol for them. So we went out and started caroling, and they're really, they don't know what the rules are. Like, this is a new thing going on. You're singing outside my house. What am I supposed to do? Oh, we're caroling. Don't you know what caroling is? So we went to our neighbors and started singing outside their house, and they opened the door just a little bit, and then disappeared. And they wouldn't, you know, the, the door's open, so you know we're here, we're singing, and we're just singing through, you know, a kind of partially open door. What's going on? And we hear all this noise in the background, and finally they come out with, like, a couple bottles of wine and some cookies, and they're saying, uh, we don't know this custom. What is it that we're supposed to give you? Because you're always supposed to give someone. If someone gives you something, you give someone back. And uh, you know what, what are we supposed to give you right now? Well, that's not a part of my culture. So I would regularly miss the gift that I was supposed to give when I visited people. Or regularly miss that they might be insecure about the gift they're supposed to give me. There, there are habits like um, when I was in Germany, every, sun, every Saturday you sweep the street in front of your house. Why do you do that? Or uh, I was just down in Croatia and talking with Evan about Easter. He preached in, in church in Easter. And, and I said, how was that? He said, it was a little bit better because on Easter there's less people in church. <coughs> there's less people in church on Easter in Croatia? I said, why? He says, well, because they're all in the Catholic church with their, um, their relatives. Because actually it's a big deal. So we have evangelical Christians who will skip church on Sunday to to be with their relatives who the only time they respond spiritually is on Easter. And so that actually is important, important family event to join my family in the Catholic Church. On well, that's really, inter- that's really interesting. Like, that's backwards, right? There's something wrong with that, right? Right? <laughs> or I was driving up here on Monday and uh, there was no place to park because here in the Czech Republic, everyone climbs Lisa Hora on May 1st. I don't know if you saw that. You just, that's what you do on May 1st. You climb a mountain. There are habits. And then there are, there are ways of seeing and understanding. So I remember someone, uh, we were talking about someone, and they said, I just don't trust that person. I just don't trust them. And I said, why is that? They smile too much. <laughs> oh, darn it. Yeah, because if you smile too much, you're untrustworthy. Just like in my culture, Right. So, you know, you see the, the, the class pictures of, of all our kids' classes, you know, and there's everybody like this, and then you can see the Americans right there. <laughs> we taught them how to smile. 
But could it be that in some cultures, actually, smiling too much makes you untrustworthy? How is that? But sometimes that's true. And this is true even in, in generations. By the way, I love Fusion Dairy this weekend. It was a great cross-cultural experience. And uh, with teenagers, it was so much fun to be around teenagers. But those of you who were there, uh, Emils gave a brilliant talk on Saturday. It was brilliant. And um, it, it was brilliant. So, so this is how it was the whole time. <laughs> And I was like, Emil's, uh, you know, I'm getting seasick. <laughs> but he was so in tune with the audience, and the kids loved him. They loved him. And what was clear is that this generation values authenticity much more than they value polish and professionality. And, you know, I'm going, hey, I, I'm getting seasick, Emil's. They're going, this guy's real, because he was. He wasn't pretending. It was, it was a fabulous, fabulous talk. So there's different ways of seeing and understanding. Is this bad or is it actually, hey, a lot of energy, you know? Uh, there's different ways of seeing and understanding. So your culture gives you, your culture gives you resources. Do you have resources from the culture that you come from? It gives you sensitivities, sometimes to good sensitivities, sometimes bad. I remember teaching into the end going, I, it went terrible. And then some people, why? Well, because no one was nodding or smiling. And no, they were thinking. Well, their face goes dead when they think. And yeah, that's what faces do when you think. No, 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 fate, you should be like this, right? Uh, so you, I'm sensitive to different things because of, uh, of my culture. Uh, the, it gives you uh, blind spots, things that you don't see. I might not see how I'm actually creating barriers and mistrust by ways I'm acting or you know, things I'm saying that I'm so excited to be here that um, I, I, can, I can miss that, blind spots. And, and I could come across too aggressive. I could... Um, not spend enough time winning trust. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of. I could be too threatening. I could be uh, not enough aware of, of problems. So culture is an asset, but it's also a liability. And I think one of our questions that we're coming back to is, how, how do you be more? How do you navigate this turbulent air and be more Greek-like for the sake of the gospel? And we're going to talk about four things from this text. So here's the first one. The first one is know yourself. Know yourself and. In Philippians 3, 4 through 6, um, Paul says, you know, am, uh, uh, this, I'm a Jew of the Jews, a tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the 12th day. And Paul was clear about who he was. He didn't pretend that he was someone different than who he was. In 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 2, he says, am I not free? Am I not apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? So actually, uh, crossing a culture begins with understanding your own background, because you, you, can't, you can't and you won't lose that. So Paul says, when he is in this text, he says, I want to tell you, I'm free from all. I'm not myself under the law, and not being outside of the law, but under the, the law of Christ. So kind of in a, in a counterintuitive way, knowing your culture helps you actually bridge to other cultures. If you don't know who you are, it's hard to know what you need to adapt. When I was first serving here, I read a book that it's actually, I don't think you can buy this book today. It's called, a book called Living Overseas, which was done 40 years ago. But if you can find it, I'd recommend it. One of the most helpful books I read. It's kind of out of date right now. 
But one of the things he said that was really interesting, kind of a counterintuitive thing about crossing cultures, he says there's two ways that you learn a culture. One is by sinking. You sink into that culture and kind of unconsciously become one with that culture. And the other is by rising, where you rise above your culture and above other cultures and learn to consciously make adaptations. And I kind of thought that the, the, the best thing would be if I just became Czech, if I became indistinguishable from everyone around me, and I just, they couldn't tell that I was American. I just sink into this, and then it's just, but the, the fact is that I'm not, right? And so sometimes in that desire to sink in and become just like, we actually are, are pretending and, and maybe even losing something for, for yourself. He says, rising uh, refers to the elevating into conscious thought of the cultural elements in which we were participating. And then he said this. He says, partially because missionaries and development workers identify themselves with a supranational cause, something above nationals, they sometimes try to, too hard to escape from their own culture. Such efforts can turn a person into an ambiguous blob. Everyone needs an identity and a consciousness of that identity. So what we're not asking you to be is be less of who you are and where you came to from, to hide it, to pretend that it's not true. That actually wouldn't be good. Paul said, this is, this is who I am. He says, and this is what he went on. He says, in many situations, perhaps most, the outsider will be accepted most easily if she or he remains an outsider. That's interesting. People feel most comfortable relating to a foreigner who looks and acts like a foreigner. Um, well, that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Now, um, I'm, I'm actually a little jealous of my daughter's cultural adaptation because she can get on a train and have a two-hour conversation with someone on her train ride to Prague, and no one knows she's American. And I'm jealous of that. Like, I'm, I'm jealous of that. I, I wish that was true. I get on a train, and I start having a conversation. You're an American, aren't you? And then sometimes they switch to English and go, no, stay in Czech. I can speak Czech. <laughs> but I can't, I can't. That. So, so sometimes I might sit in the compartment and actually be quiet because until I speak, they don't know I'm a foreigner. And so I'm going to hide a little bit because I don't want anyone to know that I'm actually a foreigner because I really would like to, I've spent a lot of time working on this culture and I actually would like to, for you to not know I'm an outsider. I want to be that much of an insider. That's what I'd love. That would, that would be the top. But what I, don't, what I have to realize is that my daughter has actually sunk into the culture. She grew up here. So she has sunk. She went to 13 years of Czech school. I didn't do that. That's the reality of her. The reality is I grew up in another country. And, and what I'll find is actually if, if I'm working to adapt to another culture but not denying my own, that actually it's an asset. People actually like to talk to an American who speaks Czech. Other accents are interesting. And, and actually, this is the same with you with working with young people. Sometimes, sometimes you can go, oh, I'm not a 17-year-old. I'm going to pull back and kind of hide because I'm not like them. Or to really be effective, I've got to like be a 17-year-old. Hey, yeah, yeah. What was that rat? new language? Let me try it. And, and it, it just doesn't look right. You can't totally do it. It looks weird. So, so what is it in between? Well, there's, 
I'm, and we're gonna, there's some things you're doing. You're actually making adaptations, but you're not doing, making those adaptations in denial of who you are. And actually, the other people don't need you to. So that, this is important to realize that, that effective cross-cultural ministry doesn't mean losing uh, every, every, uh, every aspect of who, who we are. So you can, you can actually be really effective with the young generation without becoming young again. You can. But you will have to cross cultural barriers. But you can cross cultural barriers without losing who God made you to be and your wonderful background. Okay, how do we do that? Know yourself as the first one. The second one is be a constant student of culture. Now, this is interesting if you go back to the passage that we read. Look back at it at the beginning. He says, um, to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became under the law that I might win under the law. To those outside the law, I became outside the law. Am I reading it correctly? No, I'm not reading it correctly. It's very interesting that little things in Scripture, to the Jews I became as a Jew. So the adaptation actually doesn't make you identical to the people that you're adapting to. But you are making changes to bridge those, those things. Now, he does say, I become weak. But there is one thing that he doesn't become as. He says, I've made myself a servant to all. So what you're becoming is you're not becoming a teenager. You're not becoming uh, a, a check or a pole. You're becoming a servant to teenagers. You're becoming a servant to check. You're beca- That's actually what you're becoming. You're becoming someone who says, I, I love you so much. I care about you so much that I'm, I'm going to study who you are. I'm, I'm going to serve who you are, not who I am or who I would like to be. And so what we become in cross-cultural work is we become a servant, a servant to those that we're crossing the culture, which is this task of being um, a constant student of culture. And, and how do you do that? Well, first of all, just, just be observing all the time. I loved Fusion Dairy this weekend. In fact, I was, I was with Josh in the back, and Josh, how you doing? He said, this is so great. He kind of breaks up. And I said, what's so great about it? He says, I love being around teenagers. And for me, too, I spend a lot of my time with like college-age students teaching the leaders. It was so much fun to be around teenagers. And they're really different, aren't they? You know, there really are. And so it was so much, I, I was there just watching, trying to feel, you know, what is it? Well, em, Emils has got the voice. Like he's got, what is it about that voice? Listening, trying to understand. It's so much better that everyone is sitting on the floor. You feel it. You feel like it's right to be on the floor. So, so why is that? And what's going on in the conversations? And so and when we're in environments like that, we should just be observing, watching, um, uh, seeing what's going on. But here's something that's really important. Uh, calling attention to differences is the prerogative of the host. This is actually one of the things he said in this. Story. Calling attention to differences. Because sometimes as we're observing, we just do constant commentary. Wow, you know, your generation is really different than ours. You, you just what you're on, you're on Facebook, yeah, not on email. You're, you're on Snapchat or whatever the latest thing is all the time. And we didn't even have that when I was growing up. Or we can say, wow, Czech culture is really this. And that, and that commentary, so picture this. Picture I visit your, your family, and I come in, and you invite me for dinner. And we sit down, and you go, I go, wow. You know, it's just really, we're sitting around the table. You know, in our family, we always sit in the living room. 
Oh, okay, yeah. And then we, then we keep talking, and I go, wow, your family's really loud. <laughs> Our family's a lot quieter. And then, and then it's a little bit later, and you're sending your kids to bed at 7. I go, well, you send your kids to bed really early. You know, our family, it's, it's like 9 o'clock. How are you going to be feeling right now? It's actually not fun, right? I don't feel like a servant right now. I feel like kind of a commentator. Maybe I'm lording it over. It actually, that, that, com, that commenting, constant commenting on it, feels like judgment when you're on the other side. And so part of this observing role is, is a servant-hearted observing. I'm not going to announce everything I'm seeing. I'm not going to draw attention. to. If, if they draw attention to it, fine, but I'm actually serving you. So you, you see this when people come over and visit, when teams come over and visit, like they'll just, they'll just spend their whole time in cultural comedy. Wow, it's really this here. Wow, this is really different. Wow, do you do that? And you kind of go, would you just shut up, you know? <laughs> shut up and serve. Like, keep observing, but don't run a, run a commentary about all of it. Let, let your host uh, comment on, on one thing. And here's another thing about observing is what doesn't make sense to you actually does make sense. You just haven't observed long enough if it doesn't make sense. Okay, it makes sense. So I was, I was preaching at church on the border of, um, of Czech and, and Poland a while back, and I, I stood up front, and the, and the moment I was there, I realized all the men are on one side and the women are on the other kind of strange to preach in a church like that. And so uh, I started thinking about why that is. You know, maybe they just, temptation, right? You can be really tempted during a service. <laughs> Hard time. So a uh, lot of broken marriages, right? They just don't like to be together. Uh, I'm, you know, the, one group thinks they're superior to the other. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And then at the end, I, I, I just feel like, well, that's stupid, right? It's stupid because it doesn't make sense to me. And afterwards, I said, yeah, I've noticed that all the women sit on one side and the men sit on the other. Why is that? And they said, well, because um, we don't have a really good heating system in this church. And the heater's on this side. And so the, this side is really warm and this side is really cold. So the men are on the cold side and they've given the women the warm side of the church. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> never thought of that particular reason yet. So. So there, there are things that don't make sense to us, and we think that because they don't make sense to us, they don't make sense. But people behave in ways that make sense, and so it actually makes sense that you sweep the streets on Saturday in Germany, or that um, maybe you don't smile as much and check. They're, they're in, in those cities, it makes sense. So it's, it's good to be curious and to be expecting things, not to be stupid, but to actually make sense as we observe. Uh, or here's another one, to listen. So... Fusionary. I'm loving watching this environment. And then the group from Romania gets up front and they're singing this song. And it looks like it's a song in Romanian, but the whole audience is singing. Are they just reading it? So I'm just going, I'm listening to this going, they're singing, they're singing. So I go to, to someone, I ask, you know, do you want to be curious? Hey, is that, is that an American song? No, it's, it's I mean, an English song, no, it's not. And then I come to Mel and I say, you know, Mel, do you know this song? He goes, oh, yeah, everybody knows this song. <laughs> I don't know this song. What is it? <laughs> it's not, it's weird. How, how does everyone know that song? I don't know that song. <laughs> so now here, here's the thing is, is there something, 
wrong with me that I don't know that song? Or can I be, or could, maybe you say, yes, there is. <laughs> There's absolutely something wrong with you. You're not listening to the radio enough, Dave. <clears throat> or I can say, can, can, I be, can I be curious? Can I be, um, can, can I be a, a student? Can I be a servant? Can I be a, wow, I didn't know that. Tell me more, right? Because you're not going to get it all right, but some of it is, have you become a servant? Are you listening? Are you noticing? Are you asking the questions? Are you, are you picking up on those kinds of things? Here's another one. Ask for feedback. Uh, you, we, need, we need cultural translators. So when I first came to the Czech Republic, there was a man named Ivo Kupski who knew enough about American culture and knew about Czech culture. And I was always saying, Ivo, explain this to me. Ivo, explain this. And sometimes we need to do this with the young generation, have cultural translators who are 17 or 15 or 19 and say, hey, can you explain this? Can you like translate? I didn't understand, so I go to Mel. All right, ask for feedback. Read, read. And here it says, read what they're reading. Don't just read about them, but read what they're reading. So I was talking to Claire about, I said, Claire, where, where do you get your news? And she says, I like Chesquiroslas. And I said, why? And she said, well, I'm trying to discipline myself to read news from a Czech perspective because it's not just the information, it's the voicing is different. And I get, I learn things about this culture when I read the same information from a different source. So what are the, now here's a question. Well, for young people, what are they reading? And can we read some of the things we're reading so that we're not just getting information, but we're not just reading about them, but we're reading what they read so that we hear the voices that they're hearing or maybe even see some of the things that they're seeing. If we can handle it, right? Morally, some of the things. Uh, here is uh, be curious, empathy, observation, um, exp- exploration. Uh, uh, about 10 years ago, I got invi- invited to speak in Australia for a staff conference of crew. And I, I was really pretty insecure about this because even though Australia is a English-speaking country, it's a really different culture, really different. And it's not the same as the UK. It's really different. And I went, how am I going to get this? I can't spend six months. Do I do read all these specialized books on, on uh, Australian culture? So I decided to do this. I flew in two days early, and I said, what do I need to understand the most? I need to understand the college campus, something about the college campus. And I was going to speak on evangelism, something about the lost here in, in Australia. So I spent one whole day hanging out on an Australian college campus, talking to students, walking around, looking at classes. And then the next day, I went into Sydney, and I just went around to restaurants and clubs. And I'd go into a restaurant. I went to McDonald's in Sydney, and I sat down, and I said, hey, uh, hi, can, is there a place at this table? And I sat down, and I said, I just, uh, I'm an American. It's my first time in Sydney. And I'm going to be speaking for a conference of Christians who are working with college students. And they're, 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 they're talking about, we'll be talking about how, how we can talk about faith in ways that non-believers understand. Could you help me understand Australians a little bit better? And like, what do they think about God? And, about, and so I had a whole day of conversations with people just running, just going around being a student. It was fascinating. Now, did I become an expert on Australian culture in two days? No, I didn't. But I did become a servant. You see, see what I'm becoming? And then I can become a little bit more Australian-like, but the fact that I actually am becoming a servant changes the tone of what I'm doing because uh, people, people see that I'm in that stance of, of learning. I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And then as we, um, 
as we are learning those things, here's the third thing. Make every amoral adaptation that will remove barriers for the gospel. Every amoral adaptation. So in the text here, he says uh, to the Jews, oh, we're going to see a picture here of this is, uh, this is Hudson Taylor. He doesn't look like someone from the UK because one of the key things he did is he said, our, the way we dress is a barrier to reaching these people. And the way our hair is is a barrier. So he started wearing a really different hat and wearing really different clothes because he said, uh, I'm more comfortable in the clothes I'm used to from, from the UK, but, um, but actually it's creating a barrier. Part of what would happen would be people would come to faith and they go, you're a mature believer to sort of become a new, and they would change their dress. And all the Christians were dressing like Europeans because they were modeling off of, off of their leaders. Well, you see that this is what, this is what um, Paul says, to the Jews I become as a Jew. To those in the law I become as one under the law. To those outside the law, as one outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. I might win the weak. I become all things to all people for uh, the sake of the gospel. And do you notice here that he's making multiple adaptations? He, he actually is de- developing multicultural fluency. It's like someone who knows three or four languages and can switch. Some of you do this, and you, you watch, and you, you can see you guys do this Italian, Albanian, English. And you watch Yuli in a setting, and you watch him speak Italian. You watch him speak English. You, and part of what we need to become is not just adapt, to become multicultural so that we, we can actually switch to teen. We can switch to Baptist. We can switch to, and that has work, but even, even if we don't do it perfectly, it means something when we try and when other people around us know that, know that we're trying. Rigidity leads to breakage. Uh, now, this is also fun at F- Fusion Dairy because in the middle of Fusion Dairy, we've got the Polish choir up front, and right in the middle is this guy who's got white hair. You know, what's he doing in the middle of the Fusion Polish choir? His name is Michal Skiba, and he's out there. I love seeing Michal in the middle of that choir, you know, doing, doing all these different things. And now he's, Michal's not a teenager, but it means something to all of us to go, he's, he's a servant. He's not a teenager, but he's a servant. He's making adaptations for the sake of the gospel, and, and everybody appreciates it. Or seeing Tanya up there, I don't know if she's making that, I think she just has that in her. With her she can dance. I mean, that's, it's amazing what Tanya can pull off. And uh, I'm, maybe it's not making adaptations, maybe she, it's, just, it's just in her. She's, but it's so, it was so much fun to watch all of you becoming Greek-like and Jew-like. And I know that maybe that's not what you would do by yourself in your free time. And maybe if, if, if you cho- chose, you'd rather sit in a chair than on the floor. But you're becoming servants, and that is just so cool. Uh, making these adaptations, be, being purposefully multicultural. And this is what actually Alan Hirsch says. He says, we have to assume that all mission now is cross-cultural. So this is, this is even, mission is cross-cultural. So I was talking with Dushan this week, and on Tuesday night, uh, on Wednesday, he said, I had such a great evening last night. So I said, why? He said, well, we've got is it three couples, three Christian couples. Two non-Christian, but, but you're the third couple, right? You're the second. Okay, two non-Christian couples 
with two Christian couples, two, two Christian couples who invite two non-Christian couples, and they're studying the Bible together. And, and Dushan came back and said, that was such an amazing evening together. Uh, and it's cross-cultural, isn't it? You're crossing barriers. You have to think about what you're talking about, how you're saying it, but, but actually you're doing it for the gospel. You're not, you're not removing the barrier of Jesus, and, uh, and that takes effort. So, but it was exciting, wasn't it? To, really exciting. And you think, oh, Czechs, they're, especially 50-year-old Czechs, they're not interested in Jesus. And you came back and said, we had a fabulous discussion. But, but part of it is, is you see, I, I see Dushan and Dancha making, uh, making every amoral, amoral adaptation that will remove barriers for the gospel. Make every amoral adaptation that will remove barriers for the gospel. Whatever it is, because it's, it's, um, it's cross-cultural. And you know, this, is, this is the China Inland Mission team. So what would, what would be interesting if we took a team picture you know, and it looked like this? I don't know if you can see, they're really dressed in, in really different clothes. And you might go, oh, they're, I bet you a bunch of them are uncomfortable in those clothes. But think of how uncomfortable they are in those clothes and realize that a Chinese person putting on Western clothes is that uncomfortable or more. So, so as we make those adaptations, we're the person who's taking the discomfort so we remove the discomfort for the sake of the gospel rather than asking someone else to make that adaptation for us. So as I look at this picture now, we don't need to dress like that, but I'm thinking what, what kind of servant clothes do we need to take on when, when I go into a, to a Pentecostal church and I'm from an evangelical three church background, when I go to a different culture and, um, and I have to make adaptations, am I willing to make those uh, adaptations. And Hudson Taylor said, let us in everything not sinful become like the Chinese so that by all means we may save some. Everything not sinful become like the Chinese so that in all means we might save some. And here's a, here's a fourth thing. Be focused, hardworking, and disciplined in crossing cultures. Focused, hardworking, and disciplined. Now look back up to our text, and he goes in and he says, don't you know in a race that all the runners run? Dun, 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 dun. There, there he is. But only one receives the prize. Now I've quoted this verse and heard this verse quoted because it's such a great verse. We often pull stuff out of context. And it's like, it's, it's like this. Keep believing God. Run that race. Or um, don't... Fall morally, run to get the prize, or handle money well. And all those things are true, but this text is in the context of cross-cultural adaptation. Isn't that interesting? The, the, the context is, it's like running a race, it's like exercising self-control, it's we're going to have to um, run that we may obtain it exercising self-control, not run aimlessly, not go as deep in the air, even beating my body. And here, here's the thing that it actually is work to cross cultures. And I don't know if you find this, but, but sometimes you get tired of it. Like, like, hey, I've been doing this for a bunch of years and I've crossed the culture and now I can stop. But how do we, uh, an athlete just keeps going. Like, 
I, I don't run aimlessly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping working at it. I'm keeping working at it. So um, on, the, on the check thing, uh, team, uh, the, uh, Justin Holden, where's Justin? Has a reputation of being the best foreign Czech speaker on the team. I don't know if that's, that's true, but I've, I've heard him speak, and I go, Justin, that's amazing. Like, I can barely. And so I asked him, I said, how did you, how did you do this? Well, it just doesn't come naturally. Justin has really worked on it. And one of the things he did was he hired a logoped, which there are people in Czech that help kids who can't pronounce their words right. And he hired one of them to help his pronunciation of words like or get his L's right or things like that. I mean, that's pretty serious training. Like most of us, if we basically get the word out right and someone understands that that's enough, he's actually hired someone to, to, to help with the forming of, of his words. And that's inspiring to me. You know, that's, that, that's like not running aimlessly. That's like really working at this cross-cultural adaptation. And even with, with young people, how do we not, the, the, the work doesn't, doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Um, and it, it doesn't stop. So I'm, I'm coming back from Croatia, by the way. We've lived in Croatia for the last couple of months, and it's a different culture. It's not like Czech. So um, sounds like when Croatians talk to each other, like they're mad all the time. I don't know if, like, why are you yelling at each other? I come from a more subdued Czech, Czech context. Or even one of, one of our friends there, her, her name is Mariana. She works at the post office. And we were just with her on Friday. And I had a question. She said, oh, ask, let me ask one of my friends. And she pulls up her phone. And now I know enough Croatian to know. This is how the phone, the phone call went. Evo. And it's not, hey, Evo, this is Mariana. How are you doing today? How's your day going? Great, great. How's your wife? OK, I got it. No, it's like, Evo. The Americans with me, and they're wondering this. Well, that just feels cold to me. That feels, but actually, like, like there's a lot of pat. They really love each. They, they passionately love each other. It just doesn't sound like that to me. <laughs> so, so I go. On, I get on the toll to come up from Split, and I have to renew my little toll thing. And I go in this toll booth, and I say, "Here, here's my toll deal. Can you?" Can, can you change it? And the guy behind the counter starts yelling at me. What do you want? No, I want to change this toll. Well, do you want to put money on it or something like that? No, I just, I just, and I'm going like this, and I'm just about to say, don't be angry. And I went, oh, he's not angry. He's Croatian. <laughs> he's not angry. He's not angry. And, and then I look around, and, and I talk a little bit longer and go, no, that's true. He really wasn't angry. He wasn't angry. So I have, to, I have to work at this. Like, like if I just react, I'd be saying, stop being so angry. And why are all Croatians so angry? You really should change that. Croatians should learn to talk more kindly with each other. No, I, I've got to become the servant, right? And, and you have to work at it um, all the time, all the time. And, and this, is, this is one of the things that Ludwig von Zindendorf said, I have one passion it is he alone. The world is the field, and the field is the world. And therefore, the country shall be my home where I can be most used for winning souls for Christ. He was saying, I'm going to be a servant of whatever context. There's places where I naturally feel at home, but I'm going to choose to be at home wherever I can be most used for Christ. And so there's this kind of unending cultural adaptation that we need to be about. And sometimes we can think that the, the, the goal is getting as far as Justin, 
you know, I can go, man, he does the so much better than I got. I feel I'm failing. But what we need to realize is that people feel loved when we're working at it, even if we're not perfect. Sometimes the effort is more important than the outcome. Because, uh, you know, I, I see Mikhail up front, and he's not doing it exactly like everyone else, but I watch him trying, and I see that he's become a servant. And that opens doors for the gospel. So this is not, we're never going to get done with it. We're never going to do it perfectly. But the fact that we're working on it makes us a servant, and that communicates a lot. That removes barriers for the gospel. I was, um, my dad was 87. I was visiting him back in Denver, and I was in church. We were sitting together. And he says, see that guy over there? I said, what guy? Where over there? And I saw a guy that had a, um, a, 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 a dyed hair. I think it was about red, cut in a mohawk, and just shaved up to here and mohawk through there, 17 years old. He said, his name's Josh. Oh. He says, um, I meet with him every week for Bible study. Okay, my 87-year-old dad. And, um, and I look over, and my dad's wearing suspenders and a, you know, and, a, uh, <laughs> and, and he's got a hearing aid and all that stuff. And, and I said, really, how did that happen? And he said, well, we were at a men's retreat, and the speaker was talking about the importance of older men mentoring younger men. And, and, uh, and Josh came up to me, and he said, um, I think I'm the youngest person here, and you're the oldest he said, would you mentor me? And, uh, and my dad said, well, I, I just got to tell you something. I don't hear really well, and I don't listen to the same music that you do, and um, I don't know what's in, and I don't know your, your language. Um, are you okay with that? You see, my dad knows himself. And, and Josh says, yeah, that's true. I don't need you to be like me. He said, but I've been listening to you, and every time there's a discussion, you bring up something from the Word of God and it's relevant to me. And, um, and that's what I want to hear more of, so can we meet? So they started meeting together regularly. And my dad would just talk about, you know, and my dad would think before, what passages will mean something to Josh? And Now, my dad didn't go out and say, now that I'm with Josh, I'm going to take my white hair and do a mohawk and dye it. You know? and, and I don't know how far he got on that adaptation thing, but it was clear that he knew himself, that he was... He was trying to learn about Josh. And, and, the, and the effort he spent in trying to learn about Josh communicated love and removed barriers. So that's one of the things is, I, I think if we want to move barriers through the gospel, we've got to constantly be in this race of observing, watching, learning, studying, working to remove barriers, and, um, and that that effort means something and the gospel goes forward farther because of it. So let's become servants for the sake of the gospel. All right. Amen. Thank you for listening to Josiah Venture Stories. For more information about who we are and our vision and mission, visit us at josiahventure.com and follow us on social media. If you have any questions about this episode or like to get in touch with our guest, please email social at josiahventure.com. To help more people hear about this podcast, Please leave us an honest written review or share this episode on your social media. Thank you, friends, and have a blessed day.